This Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast is sponsored by Flashpoint. Flashpoint delivers business risk intelligence to empower organizations worldwide with meaningful intelligence and information that combats threats and adversaries. The company's sophisticated technology, advanced data collections, and human-powered analysis uniquely enables large enterprises and the public sector to bolster cybersecurity, confront fraud, detect insider threats, and build insider threat programs, enhance physical security, improve executive protection, and address vendor risk and supply chain integrity. For more information, visit flashpoint-intel.com or follow us on Twitter at Flashpoint Intel. Hello, and welcome to this Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast. I'm Paul Roberts, Editor-in-Chief at the Security Ledger. In this episode of the podcast, you hear a lot of talk about the dark web or the deep web these days. It's a shadowy nether region of the internet beyond the reach of Google's crawlers, where cyber criminals, terrorist groups, drug dealers, hacktivists, and nation-state actors congregate, chat, plot, and do business. But what is the dark web exactly? And what is the value of the information gathered there? Just as important, how can organizations operationalize dark web intelligence to put them a step ahead of malicious actors and targeted attacks? Those are the questions we pose to our guests this week. Chris Camacho is the Chief Strategy Officer at Flashpoint. In this podcast, Chris and I talk about what people are referring to when they talk about the deep web and the dark web, how companies like Flashpoint actually monitor the dark web for intelligence, and then how sophisticated organizations are able to operationalize that intelligence as part of their security and incident response programs. Threat intel is becoming a critical and, in some cases, even a required component of mature information security programs, Camacho tells me. To start, I asked Chris to give us his definition of the dark web. Chris Camacho, Chief Strategy Officer at Flashpoint. The easiest way to describe both deep and dark web, it's password-protected forms, sites, communities that required highly vetted folks to either invite you or you have to be included in small groups and then vetted into larger groups or more trusted groups where criminals, and I guess not criminals that don't know what they're doing, uh, talk about selling or reselling or vulnerabilities or hacking or uh, other illicit drugs trafficking. It's all over the place. Um, And the way it really works is somebody needs to have a vetted account or a vetted persona and be in these communities and get information or be active in these communities. So it's a very technical and complicated access to forms and communities that most folks can't do on their own. And folks who try run into security optics or operations or OPSEC issues because criminals are good at what they do. They Mm -hmm. know what to look for. They know patterns of how you're coming into their sites. If you don't mask the way you do, if you don't have good OPSEC, you're essentially exposing either your corporate network of where you're coming from or your personal information, which is the last thing you want to do. So I guess just popping up in their uh, listserv and saying, hey, sell me some stolen identity information, probably not going to get you a good uh, good response. <laughs> you, know, you might get responses, but not probably what you're looking for. Okay. And I know Flashpoint probably deals with this, but as you said, you, you need to be kind of vetted and, and, uh, and brought into one of these groups. You need to prove your uh, 
bona fides. How do you do that? I mean, do you need to kill somebody or something? You'll probably find that there are many vendors these days that do deep and dark web. In fact, even at Flashpoint, for us, uh, having access to deep and dark web intelligence is just a component of the business that we do. And we use that data to improve our outgoing reports to cross to the customers. But everybody has a different way of having personas or managing their access to the various communities. Some just create an account and uh, monitoring the these forms and discussions for uh, possible companies or possible nuggets that they can dig into mm-hmm. and see if it's part of their research. Uh, others probably have uh, personas or active accounts that they've uh, been able to acquire throughout the years or enhance throughout the years just by their own research, and those get maintained and then used for um, helping customers and overall internet security. So it really depends on how various companies do it. It's one of the more complicated uh, areas of really the deep and dark web um, world where all these vendors are trying to figure out how to collect information, how to find the smallest and most private communities where the real sensitive information is shared, and then how to maintain personas without breaking the law or work with law enforcement uh, in case they're actively monitoring such community and then get that information as needed back to customers to make an impact. So this is kind of a combination of signals intelligence and human intelligence, right? You're, you're monitoring these online channels, but you also need to do an element of um, human intelligence to ingratiate yourself within these communities, uh, maintain your reputation within these communities, and perform a, a certain type of surveillance. Yeah, and even then, if you can imagine, there are many, many uh, active communities and forums and such, and... There's, there's no human in the world that can monitor and keep track of all those communities. So then you're using data science and going through all the information and conversations in all of these various languages throughout the world to see if there's anything that's triggered or any juicy information that could be, again, impactful to a customer, law enforcement, uh, the broader you know, uh, good of the internet, vulnerabilities that we don't know about just yet, and then use that information, again, to protect and uh, help organizations so they get early warning or are able to put defense postures in place should an attack be imminent. So talk about the types of data that, as a security firm, you can find and you know relay to customers or law enforcement on the dark web. You find everything, but I think what's most useful to any uh, enterprise is, is someone talking about my brand? You know, if I'm company X, is somebody out in the deep and dark web or in any of the social media or any open web forms as well, talking about my brand in a way that I didn't know about? Are they trying to recruit a possible insider? Have they found a vulnerability while just doing mass scanning? They hit one of my public IPs and have and I have an exposure that I didn't know about mm-hmm. because I couldn't patch that faster or I didn't even know it was out there on the internet, but it belongs to our infrastructure. It, it's these types of information that are probably the most useful to enterprise enterprises. Also yeah. credential dumps. These happen day in and day out and they're happening so frequently that a lot of it is uh, reused old data from previous large breaches. But 
is there something new that we didn't know about? Um, because it just got popped out in the internet and we were trying to um, get early warning as well of those because we may have just had a password reset and we want to make sure that that password combination doesn't match to ours and we have other issues or is it impacting our customers? So this is the type of information that our customers are finding super useful. You know, it's funny when I when I think about the value of that, I think back to the first um, Sony PlayStation hack that Anonymous carried out, really in protest of Sony's case against George Hotz for for hacking the PlayStation platform, and how valuable it would have been to Sony to know that within Anonymous, within those online you know, forums that the company's name was being bandied around and that that particular group was quite upset about the the lawsuit um, and planning some kind of retaliation. So one important thing you just talked about there is I was working at a very large enterprise when all that, uh, all those events were taking place. And in my previous enterprise, these types of events, even if they don't impact that brand, uh, we want to know about it because it could happen to us, right? And if it did happen to us, how would we respond or how could we prevent it from responding or happening to us? But more importantly is uh, I'm a big believer in collaboration, information sharing, not just keeping information to myself or others keeping information to themselves because it does uh, our security industry no good. So even that example you just talked about, I do remember collaborating with uh, many friendlies across various banks, technology companies, media companies, and just trying to put pieces together on what we could, knowing that um, you know it, it, things were taking place uh, fast and rapidly, specific folks were being attacked or specific companies. Was that one that you saw coming or was it more uh, that was a wake up call to say, huh, maybe we should be paying attention to what these guys are saying online behind, you know, a kind of undercover because, yeah, they're talking about Sony now, but they could just be talking about us and we'd want to know if they were. I'm going to say the best answer is a mixture of both. We saw it coming, but not everyone saw it coming. So it surprised many, many people. Uh, several folks were anticipating that such an attack was coming just because, like I mentioned, the collaboration and how prepared some of the more mature organizations are, especially organizations that spend a lot in security and large teams with sophisticated intelligence teams. But then not everyone has that luxury, and those are the folks that were caught off guard, per se. You're listening to a Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast sponsored by Flashpoint. Flashpoint delivers business risk intelligence to empower organizations worldwide with meaningful intelligence and information that combats threats and adversaries. For more information, visit flashpoint-intel.com or follow us on Twitter at Flashpoint Intel. How do you sort of operationalize this intelligence? So it's one thing to know as a company that, you know, bad guys are talking about you and your brand online. I can imagine that being kind of paralyzing, though, because you're sort of like, holy cow, you know, they're going to attack us, but we don't know when and where or how. So what do we do with this intelligence? What do we do with this information that we have? This is an area where I personally have seen my personal situation grow as a leader in this company. As I mentioned, I came from the luxury of having a very sophisticated team with a nice budget that we were able to buy many vendors and have many smart counterparts that I could work with, collaborate with internally. Um, 
on a defensive and offensive side, as in prepare and make sure that we're able to make things happen quickly. When I came over to Flashpoint, it quickly became apparent that not everybody has that luxury and various other sectors were just building up their practices and investments in securities and hiring peoples and CISOs and they didn't have Intel teams. So how could a service like Flashpoint do them any good? The best answer I have is you can operationalize intelligence, even if you don't have a person, by having someone else do it for you, meaning work with whoever is in security, learn about their business. Do they, do they see fraud? Have they seen denial, uh, distributed denial of service attacks? Are they seeing credential stuffing attacks? Are they seeing phishing emails come in that weren't expected? Have they been impacted by business email mm-hmm. compromise? Uh, do you mm-hmm. think they have an insider threat problem? Or are there executives traveling to you know geographic areas that may seem risky? So what we do is we learn about that business. We monitor and work with the company on setting up priority, priority intelligence requirements, so what we call PIRs, and then only alerting the company to what we think is very risky because we're essentially their eyes and ears uh, as far as intelligence collections gathering and helping that company as they mature and evolve and hire people into these types of roles. That's the best way anyone can really operationalize intelligence by only alerting and providing them intelligence and reporting that's going to be impactful and useful to them, not over overburdening noise and email alerts and reports that they're never going to read. In addition, a company like ours enhances uh, a smaller companies or immature uh, security Intel organization with collaboration. That's what I was mentioning earlier. Within Flashpoint, we've set up this community called FP Collab. And the way I best describe it is if you are a member of an ISAC, all ISACs have collaborative communities, which is amazing. It's great. I can reach out to my peers and discuss what they see and also share what I see. What we've done is we've taken that spirit of collaboration and made it cross-sector. So folks from technology and financial, retail, healthcare, et cetera, can all collaborate on what they're seeing. But more importantly, it's our analysts and our teams that see early intelligence and warnings that are seeding and sharing information out to start discussions and make sure that uh, communities and CISOs and teams that are both very mature to just setting up their programs get early warning on what is happening uh, on a broader basis throughout the internet and vulnerabilities that may have just released or new credentials that may have just been uh, leaked or uh, somebody may have popped a point of sale device or a merchant and now credit cards are just started to be sold And that's what we're finding that customers love, the spirit of collaboration, early warning intelligence that just comes in email format that they can then use and figure out their next steps as an organization. Just give me one example of sort of an engagement where uh, the cyber threat intelligence, uh, dark web intelligence really played an active role in the company getting ahead of an attack or thwarting an attack that might otherwise have gone a different different way. Yeah, I can give you a a good example. that we helped protect many enterprises without them ever knowing. Uh, Maybe that's the best way to do it. So within our communities, one of our analysts started seeing malware be discussed and compiled that was 
a new type of way uh, to distribute malware. Uh, and then they actually compiled it. We saw the conversations where we're in the community. You could see them talking about it, testing it, talking about release dates, talking about targets, and then um, actually looking to release, let's say, two weeks out. Uh, they actually shared the malware within the community, and then that's it. It just stayed stack, uh, stale for the two weeks. Well, companies like us, and in this case, it was obviously us, uh, being in these communities, were able to see the discussion. It was a very, very small community, so not that many uh, attendees in there or participants. We were able to take the hash value, uh, the MD5 of this newly compiled malware, and then using our network, look for trusted large AV providers, so antivirus providers, and work with them and say, hey, this is what we just saw in our access to deep and dark web communities. Someone compiled this malware. It looks like it's going to be launched launched here soon. But what we don't want to do is tip their hands that we are sharing this malware with uh, AV providers, obviously. And we want the telemetry to see what they're after or what they want to do with it. So working closely with these AV providers, they were able to generate generic signatures that don't fire off, but protect an enterprise um, and and don't say, don't even give it a name, right? So lo and behold, two weeks later, we got an alert that one of these large AV providers got a hit on that piece of malware for a large company out of a German out of a German IP space. And a week after that, it started Mm -hmm. to go more mass. Like it started, you know. They, they looked like they were blocked, so they started going after more and more enterprises globally. But again, thanks to our work right. behind the scenes, we, we feel that we protected many enterprises from attack. We work closely with our partners, uh, and that's an early example, a good example of how using deep and dark web data, uh, you're able to see communities and conversations where things are starting to build up. It's you know the early discussions of what attacks may take place, and then use that to defend and protect the overall internet. So organizations are always trying to prioritize, you know, their resources and energies. How do you try and communicate them what the urgency of a particular issue is, given that, you know, you you may find a lot of information that is potentially relevant to any company. Um, But how do you, is is there kind of a a heat ranking for this? Like you have to deal with this immediately versus, uh, you know, Nice to know, but not something you need to act on. Unfortunately, there's no one right answer for that question. Every company seems to have different priorities, unless something, you know, very, very large breaks. Like um, the super micro bug three weeks ago or a month ago, as soon as that hit the news wire, every single company was you know immediately asking us for more information that's that's where everybody across the board cares they're looking at vendors and intel providers uh, like us uh, to really be their source of truth what tell me what this is is it actually possible and, and we do our best to write a report on what we feel is a possibility or not right deconfliction perhaps um, other situations like a new struts vulnerability uh, just got released. Every single person cares about it because that means they have to go out and patch immediately given what's incidents and events that have happened in the past thanks to struts. Um, a new advanced persistent threat um, campaign 
via phishing email is just being launched. Everybody across the board feels, uh, cares about that. But if I'm sharing information about a new DDoS methodology, not everybody cares. Most do. Some banks care. Technology companies, they have large pipes. They can absorb DDoS attacks. Uh, healthcare companies, they depend possibly on MSSPs per se and let them worry about DDoS attacks, not in their purview. Uh, credential stuffing attacks seems to be across the board. Everyone's getting impacted with all these credentials being dumped. Uh, bad guys just credentials and then just hit all the websites trying to get matches. Um, but there are very specific requirements that organizations deem very critical. Like, should this happen, I need to be alerted right away. Uh, and that's important to them. It may be important to 10 20% of our customer base, but not important to the other 80 so that's where our analysts really, and our customer success team, especially here internally at Flashpoint, really invest a lot of time and resources to make sure that we treat everybody's priority uh, important, right? And understanding that not everybody has the same priorities, but we do our best to share across the board what we think is like a heat map, like you're saying, right? This is hot. This is trending. You need to take action or look into this now while other areas that are not so important to our customers. So you bring up a couple of good points. One is, um, you know, the, the super micro story, which is really about supply chain risk. Um, interesting for a couple of ways. First of all, you know, is supply chain really in scope for a company like Flashpoint or for your customers? Uh, is that something that they're actually devoting resources and energies and trying to assess because it is a little bit of a can of worms. Second of all, there's a lot of uncertainty about that Bloomberg story and, and its veracity and whether the problem that the story identified was a real problem. So from Flashpoint's standpoint, when a mainstream media outlet comes out with a big story like that and there are questions about it, I guess one thing is we don't want to get steered into a ditch here with pursuing a story that may or may not be accurate and true. At Flashpoint, we've uh, taken this concept of business risk intelligence, so BRI, uh, it's actually worked out really well for us. Our customers love it. We love it internally. It gets us beyond the traditional cyber threat intelligence, where a lot of folks still think that cyber threat intelligence is indicator sharing. Give me malware hashes. Give me C2, C2s, indicators. Give me something I can use that I can then copy paste and push to my proxies, to my firewalls, to my SIMs, and then hunt for it. That's great. That is honestly a component of... Uh, the cyber threat intelligence world, uh, which is processing indicators and making sure you know what adversaries are using. But we like to think that with all the rich data that we have access to and that we use uh, to uh, re write reports and provide early warning to our customers, it's more than traditional CTI and SOC use cases. Uh, we work very closely with fraud teams, third-party risk teams, physical security teams, and insider threat uh, teams, to name a few on the use case that you were talking to me about, that would probably be a third-party risk use case where they're charged with looking at critical vendors, supply chains, uh, and seeing what risk those types of organizations could bring to their enterprise. So what they do is they work with us and say, uh, here are a list of our top 25 most critical vendors. Uh, and here are some of the bigger supply chain uh, infrastructure that we use uh, both internally and globally. And if you see any activity happening to them, we need to be alerted right away, and we do, we alert them. 
in the case of a Bloomberg story where it's talking about uh, something that really surprised everyone, right? Uh, it came out of nowhere and then everybody's scrambling. All we as a company can do is report on what we know and the facts that we know. Uh, we try to de-conflict if we can. If we can't, we just update the teams or update their customers saying, this is what we know. This is what we've seen attackers use, similar attackers use in the past uh, on supply chain risk. This is new to us. And as we learn more, we'll update you. And that's essentially what we did. Uh, more importantly, though, is our community, FP Collab, quickly spun up with what everybody else was seeing, reporting on, or taking action on. I mean, you can see you can see some extremes where some folks may have even taken some uh, infrastructure offline and did forensics on it just to make sure because they wanted that peace of mind, and others immediately saying the story is complete fud and not even caring about the story. So you see two extremes throughout uh, enterprises. What we do is just report on what we know we find ourselves using the rich data that we have access to, and that's what we've done uh, from the beginning until now. Until new information comes out until uh, one of these you know, supply chains or one of the large technology companies says something else, we'll keep saying what we know, and that's all we can do. Final question for our listeners who might be curious about this deep dark web intelligence and might say, oh, this is something I could, I could use internally. How do they tap into it? What are some maybe first steps, baby steps to start integrating this type of information into your security operations? Maybe you're working with security vendors right now or an MSSP and see what they're doing with deep and dark web data. Are they actually using deep and dark web data on your behalf already? And if so, to what extent, right? What, what, how do they use that data to protect you? If you find that the answer isn't what you're looking for, then yes, look out to experts like us and we can at least demonstrate or give you some insight into what we have uh, for your company that you may not have known about. Uh, we can also show you how we use deep and dark web data in order to protect our current customers and hopefully your organization and give you that early warning. Maybe there's something that's been impacting your business on the fraud side, infrastructure side, technology side that you have no idea how you know it, that these things are happening or how hackers may know about it. Perhaps we have that visibility based on the insight that we have into all these forums and communities where someone out there, one person may be talking about it you just don't have that mm -hmm. visibility because you don't have access to these communities. Well, let us know. We can help. Um, but to, that, that's where I would start. I think that if you don't have deep and dark web data as a component of your uh, monitoring and your business line, it's uh, starting to become, from what we're seeing, a requirement from some auditors and some regulators. And when that trend starts to happen, it works down, uh, down the stack. Others will start asking about it. Uh, a board may ask you about it. So at least start getting visibility or early access to this information and see if it's valuable for you. Uh, we've been into organizations where literally it's uh, large, let's just say chicken manufacturers mm -hmm. or chicken producers or whatever they are. Uh, and they tell us, hey, our chickens don't need deep and dark web. I totally understand that that answer, right? But it's beyond just your chickens. It's, is someone out there uh, selling your proprietary way that you're raising these chickens or and, and selling it to a competitor? Or does someone have access to your bank account and slowly funneling money out? Or 
Do you have a POS device somewhere in your in technology stack that you didn't know? I mean, there's just all these different things that people don't think about when they're looking at the dark web. It reminds me of the statement that I think was attributed to the then CSO at Home Depot at the time of their hack of, you know, well, we sell hammers. Why would anyone want to hack us? You know, and it's like, well, because you're a multi-billion dollar corporation. That's exactly. why, you know. At this date, it's, it's shocking to think that folks still perceive their risk in that way of like, oh, well, we're just a simple home retailer or food processor. You know, what do we have that, you know, cyber criminals or, or nation state actors would be interested in? Because we know that their their appetite is actually quite large. Yeah. And let me add one thing to that statement as well, because you just reminded me of something. So I've been surprised at how many small, very, very small organizations or off, small offices have been hit with ransomware, as an example. And many people have actually just paid the ransom. As you start getting into larger and larger companies, even Fortune sub 1000, uh, paying these ransoms has an sure. impact, right? Are you actually going to get the keys back? Uh, you know, are, is, you know, what am I doing? Am I exposing myself at other risks by paying the ransom? Uh, and Again, organizations like us that deal with these types of folks can help you and advise you on should you pay the ransom. Is there a different way to get uh, you know, the encryption back or should you work with law enforcement? And that's another area that we've seen where smaller organizations could use services like Flashpoint to help them, mentor them, guide them. If I don't want ever be hit by a ransomware incident, what can I do to my infrastructure to protect ourselves? Chris Camacho, thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us on the Security Ledger podcast. Thanks, Paul. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time as well. Chris Camacho is the Chief Strategy Officer at Flashpoint. He was talking to us about how to operationalize intelligence from the deep, dark web. This has been a Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast, sponsored by Flashpoint. Flashpoint delivers business risk intelligence to empower organizations worldwide with meaningful intelligence and information that combats threats and adversaries. The company's sophisticated technology, advanced data collections, and human-powered analysis uniquely enables large enterprises and the public sector to bolster cybersecurity, confront fraud, detect insider threats, and build insider threat programs, enhance physical security, improve executive protection, and address vendor risk and supply chain integrity. For more information, visit flashpoint-intel.com or follow us on Twitter at Flashpoint Intel.